Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And joining me is our Texas Longhorns insider, Bob Ballou, sports director for the CBS in Austin, KITV. It's been way too long, Bob. It has been way too long. Do you like the, the burnt orange walls in my office? <laughs> yeah. Right our work. They, I think they, I don't know why they did this. I don't know what the, what the meaning behind it is, but we'll take it. It's fine. I don't mind a little burnt orange. Yeah, it looks good. Perfect background for what we're going to be talking about. You and I haven't spoken since the big SEC announcement. Have you seen or heard much change in the UT athletic department since then, either from a recruiting standpoint or, standpoint or anything else? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think the biggest thing that you see, and, and I think this probably would have happened either way with Steve Sarkeesian coming in as the head coach, but the way they recruit um, offensive linemen, the, the size, the massive size of the freshmen, the seven freshmen that are coming in this year, um, I think that's going to that that will really ready them for the SEC if they if they can recruit that way on both the offensive and the defensive lines. That's obviously what you're going to need when you move over. But in terms of a more general perspective, I think Cristal Conti is just preparing the best he can. You know, Texas won the Directors Cup this year for best athletics across the board uh, in the nation. It was a title that Stanford had won for like 25 straight years, and Texas has now won it twice in a row. So they've got their athletics programs trending in the right direction. Chris Beard obviously made the NCAA tournament second round, which hadn't happened here in, I think, eight or nine years. Um, and so there, there are things that you're seeing the steps. The biggest step that everybody wants to see made is in football, though. And when you go five and seven, that's obviously not the case. So that's the biggest thing that I think needs to change, obviously, is what's happening with football, a better record, a better uh, outlook for the future. And that's obviously what, what Sark's trying to do as, as the head coach. You've covered the horns for a long time. Does it appear things are going in the right direction with Coach Stark? I think so. I mean, I you know, I don't I, I don't really put too much stock into what happened last year. I think everybody loves when Texas is down the way they were down. You don't expect them to go five and seven. You don't expect them to lose to Kansas at home, and neither of those things should happen. But I also think Sark, if he's gonna build this program the way he wants it built he has to make drastic changes. And I think we're seeing that, like I said, in recruiting. But I also just think in general, you, you've got to create your culture. And no matter what Tom Herman had left him in terms of talent, no matter who Tom Herman recruited before him, for Sark to make this his program, he needs to do things his way. And, and that's the same for every coach, whether it works out or not. It was the same for Charlie Strong when he took over for Mac, the same for Tom Herman when he took over for Charlie. You've got to make it yours. And that's what I think Sark's doing right now. Um, I think there are a lot of positive, there's uh, obviously a ton of positive momentum in recruiting what they have with this, uh, this recruiting class that's in right now. And then obviously the Arch Manning led recruiting class next year. I think you're seeing what he's trying to build. Now it's going to be as they head into this season, does any of it, you know, transfer onto the field because there is a ton of talent across the board on this Texas offense. And now it's going to be putting it all together with their new starting quarterback, Quinn Yurge. Yeah, you led me right into it. That was my next thing. Redshirt freshman Quinn, yours, just named starting quarterback. What did you think about the decision and how has he looked? Yeah, so let me give you my my take on this from a uh, just from my perspective. When when he announced he was leaving Ohio State December 12th of, of 2021, I went on air that night and I said, you don't bring Quinn Ewers to Texas to sit on the bench. And then April 17th, um, during spring football, I made basically the same proclamation. You don't bring Quinn Ewers to Texas to sit on the bench, and I'm going to continue to yell that until he starts and takes the first snap on September 3rd against Louisiana Monroe. It's not to say I told you so. It's to say 
where this program is heading, you need to have confidence in the guy that is considered the greatest recruit to ever come out of anywhere ever. Uh, only Vince Young, Quinn Ewers, and, and Arch Manning have earned a perfect 1.0 rating uh, in the in the recruiting circuit. So I, I think this job was, in my mind, and that's not a. I think Quinn went and won this job. I think if any in any way he and Hudson were fairly even at this point, I think it's pretty easy to give Quinn the nod. Um, I think Quinn's. We we've we haven't seen many practices. We don't get to see much when we do go. I just think his balls. He throws it a little different. I I, I just think it's. There's a little more zip on it. His arm strength is crazy good. He can uh, Sark believes he can make all the throws he wants him to make in this offense, and that's where we're going to see. I mean, obviously he did this at South Lake. He did. He didn't play at Ohio State last year, um, so he basically hasn't played a football game in almost two years, um, and he should be a true freshman in college right now um, because he left South Lake, you know, in the middle of December and went to Ohio State. So there, are, there, there are going to be growing pains. I think you'd be silly to think there aren't. But I do think that with his capabilities as a quarterback, coupled with Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, and really Jonathan Brooks and Jaden Blue to an extent, and then Xavier Worthy, a wide receiver, a freshman All-American, Jordan Whittington, if he can stay healthy, can be really good for this offense. What they're going to do with some of their tight ends this year, their, their offense should be – they have elite players on offense, which is a rarity. They have multiple elite players in Bijan and Xavier. And that's a rarity to me in college football. And when you can get that, I think that opens things up for a lot of different things you can do offensively. Now, their offensive line certainly has to hold up, and they're going to be playing a lot of freshmen this year. But they have to make that happen on the offensive line to make that entire offense go. And I, I think they're going to be really good offensively uh, as Quinn Ewers takes the takes the reins. Yeah, I want to ask you about the position groups in just a bit. But can Ewers already feel pressure from a senior in high school? Is that possible in other words is he just manning the position temporarily if you know what I mean <laughs> no I, I think this is Quinn Ewer's job for this year and for next year for sure I, I think Arch Manning will come in in red shirt next year I think that's their plan for him um and and I it's a good plan I mean I think I think that's that's the way it should be for for the majority of true freshmen that come to college um even if you're as, as talented as these two guys uh, everybody believes these two guys are I still don't think it's bad to sit out a year and, and learn and, and get, you know, Sam Ellinger talked about how he wants to spend his first three years in the NFL learning. And you don't get that opportunity. You're not afforded that opportunity all the time. But when you can have that happen, if you've got Quinn Ewers as your quarterback this year and next, he can turn pro after two years. And if he is as, as good as everybody thinks he's going to be, that will certainly be an option for him to go to the NFL after two years at Texas. So there's a lot to be said for what this can turn into. Um, obviously we all know at this point how the transfer portal works. Quinn Ewers has already used it. Um, we know how these things work in college football with NIL deals and everything else. So there are a lot, there are a lot more factors that we've probably never really experienced before when you have multiple good quarterbacks in a program. And as we see that develop across the country, you see some guys who want to stay and be a part of it and then become the starting quarterback at some point. And you see guys who say, I'm done. I just want to go somewhere else. And, with what Sark's trying to build, I think he wants – he believes in Quinn Ewers running his offense. He believes in what Arch Manning can do. There's another guy at Texas, Malik Murphy, that, that isn't going to get a lot of run, and his name's not going to get a lot of run right now. But I do think at some point he's going to play a role at Texas too. So he's got a good quarterback room right now. He's building a good quarterback room. And I think that he believes it's the most important position in all of sports. So I think that lends itself to what he's trying to build. 
Yeah, right now, everything just seems like it's year to year and you throw in the NIL. How How, how is Texas doing with NIL, you know, and, and what's going on with that? Because, you know, the Aggies seem to be doing pretty well, you know, just uh, as a, another team, just a random team I'm picking out of the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no rivalry there or anything. They're, they're certainly not uh, competitors anymore. They certainly don't care about each other if you ask either of the fan bases. Um, no, Texas has a few initiatives that they've started that I think have really um, boosted what they're trying to do with NIL, and they continue to grow. Uh, players are, are continuing to, to form different groups and different things they can do to, to make NIL uh, work for them. And, you know, Texas, I think in, I think early on with the NIL movement, I think Texas was a little behind um, in what they were trying to do, but I think they're, they, they've caught up, and I think they're, they're really making the progress they need to make on that front. So let's go back. About a week ago Saturday, Longhorn football had what sounded like the worst practice day in history. Wide receiver Isaiah Nair uh, and offensive lineman Junior Angalau. I hope I'm pronouncing those names correctly. Yep. Yep. Is They're both out for the season. Rashawn Johnson out for a month. It's crazy. What, what are the ramifications of all that? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, both of those guys were going to start. Um, Isaiah Nair was a transfer from Wyoming that had – basically taken a starter's job and uh, it was his and he had grabbed it. He was, he, he had, you know, really taken a stranglehold on it and it played really well since the moment he stepped foot on campus. So his torn ACL was a, was a pretty big blow. Um, we're, we're kind of seeing that Casey Kane might be a guy that's going to step into that role and he's kind of distanced himself from some of those other receivers as a third or fourth receiver for Texas uh, in this, in this preseason camp. But again, you've got to do it in games and until he does, we won't know, but Isaiah Nayor did it at Wyoming last year and really had an opportunity to make an impact on this Texas program this year. So that was a blow. Junior Angelau, the blow with him is that he's such an experienced player. Now he's out there still working with the offensive lineman, trying to lead. He's been really good on that front, but you don't get that guy. Um, and he's not a, he probably wasn't going to be an all American this year, but you need those steady guys on offense, especially when you have seven offensive linemen that are freshmen that are all trying to get on the field this year. You need that guy. And both those guys were going to start. And those were two big blows, um, you know, three weeks out from the season. Roshan Johnson should be back. Um, Sark actually told us this week he thinks he's going to be back sooner than what the original projections were. They think he's going to start practicing a little more this week. So um, Roshan and they're, they're, they've got a few scattered injuries across the board, but nobody like Isaiah or Junior that's going to be lost for the year. And those were two big blows. But when you start having depth in a program, that's when you can overcome those things, and that's what Sark's trying to build. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing, I think, with him is we have talented players, but do we have two talented players in each position? And that's where he's trying to get this program. Yeah, and you throw those two year-long injuries with Bama transfer wide receiver Ajay Hall, and I, I guess, though, he was kind of a lottery ticket with his background, though. Yeah, and Sark's still working with him. He's not off the team. I mean, he's he's trying to work with him to get him – to a better place and uh, do, you know, this, I think everybody saw the, if you saw it, you saw the parking boots uh, on his car. And then he, I guess he messed with one of them and that's, that's what caused the suspension. But Sark said it was a, a multitude of things. It wasn't just this one incident. And he, you know, he's, he's giving him an opportunity. He was at Alabama. It didn't work. He comes to Texas and you feel like sometimes with young guys, it's got to work. It's got to stick. Something they, that you're going to do is going to stick. And instead of just kicking a guy to the curb and saying, you got to go find your next opportunity, Sark's trying to work with, with a giant, his family and, and help a giant mature, help him become a better person. And 
however long that takes. It may be a one-game suspension. It may be a full-season suspension. Nobody knows. Sark's not saying, but he's, he did say this week he's trying to get him to do the right things, and he's making progress on that. All right, let's get to exactly what's going on in the field right now. What are the strongest positions as you look at this team going into the season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it starts with running back. I think that's the one spot that you know you've got a you've got an All American uh, running back in Bijan Robinson. When Bijan got hurt, Roshan Johnson came in and was spectacular against Kansas State in that win in the final final game of the season. Jonathan Brooks showed flashes, and, and Jaden Blue is already showing some flashes. So there are four guys in that running back room that I think Sark can count on uh, to make plays. Keelan Robinson made plays at running back last year too. He's another guy that transferred in from Alabama. He's got crazy good speed. Um, they used him in a couple of ways. We'll see if they expand his his uh, role this year at all. But that, that's five guys that they can really rely on in that running back room. So I think it starts there. And then I think you look at the wide receiver room. I think what they have in Xavier Worthy, who was a freshman All-American, what they have in Jordan Whittington, and you just keep going down the line with guys. Now, Sark does keep that wide receiver rotation very tight. You won't see a lot of change throughout the year. I mean, last year it was – it was three or four guys every game that got the majority of the reps. Um, and I think he likes what he has at tight end, too. I really think that's going to be a position that we see expand this year for Texas. I think Jatavion Sanders, who was a five-star coming out of high school, um, can make an impact. They've got Juan Davis at the position. They've got guys that they really gunner hell, and they've got guys that they believe in at tight end. So now that's three three spots that are all on offense, right? We haven't even We haven't even touched on defense yet. The defense was really bad last year, and the question is, can they get better? Is that a spot where they can kind of even just an improvement of uh, 50 spots in scoring defense or 50 spots in rush defense or, or pass defense? That's where you're going you're gonna to see Texas uh, really become a much better team is if, if their defense can get it together and, and play better this year. I think that'll be, a, that'll be something that maybe is a little unexpected after watching what they did last year. Um, and they believe they've, they've taken the right steps. I think Gary Patterson is the as big a help as you can have on that front. I mean, you've got a guy who for 20 years in the Big 12 was very, very good defensively. Um, he knows how Big 12 offenses work. He knows what works in this league uh, overall, and he can kind of be a sounding board for Sark as Sark works through some of his head coaching deficiencies that we saw last year or whatever word you want to use for him. Um, Gary Patterson, to me, was maybe the biggest – if not the biggest signing this offseason for Texas, it was uh, I kind of consider him their biggest recruit uh, that Sark was able to pull for the for the 2022 class. Yeah. And, you know, quarterbacks always the biggest position in football. But as you're about to head into the SEC, the defense that, you know, it, it hasn't had a good last few years. It just seems like that's where this team's got to get better because the SEC is about, you know, both sides of the football more than just about any other conference. No doubt. And it starts up front. And I think I, anybody who plays this game, I, I've always kind of laughed at, you know, I, I guess it, it changes at times and, and you need the elite position players. But I've always thought if you had a, if you're in the NFL and you have an offensive line and a defensive line, you're probably going to be fairly successful throughout the year. Um, you, you're probably going to make the playoffs if your offensive line is a top five offensive line. Um, and, and I just think that that goes for everywhere you go. I think you see it. You obviously see it in the SEC um, with, with what those guys are able to do, but, yeah, I, I think defensively it's going to start up front. And, and Keandre Coburn was saying last week, Keandre Coburn's been here for 15 years. I mean, the guy's been a, a stalwart on the on the defensive line. He said he thinks Byron Murphy may be the best player on their defense. And and he's a defensive lineman that, um, you know, they're going to need those spots. They're going to need those guys who 
have played a little bit, but, but haven't had played a key role. They're going to need those positions to be the ones that really take a giant step this year for Texas to be really good. You might've already mentioned some of these names, but besides Quinn, yours, which player offensively and defensively are you most excited to see of the newcomers this year? Of the newcomer? Well, Kelvin Banks offensively. I, I think you don't get many true freshman offensive linemen that can play tackle. Now you can squeeze some guys inside at guard and let them develop into a tackle. Um, Kelvin Banks is, is probably going to start at left tackle for Texas. And he will never give that, as long as he doesn't get hurt, he'll never give that job up in his three years at Texas. Uh, this kid is phenomenal. And we're going we're gonna to get a real taste of, it, it kind of reminds me of what Mac did when Mac started getting, you know, crazy good talent in the early 2000s. Um, I think that's how you build. And I think that's what you have to have across the board. And so I would say offensively, it's Kelvin Banks. As excited as I am to see some of the position players that are stepping into these roles, I think it's Kelvin Banks offensively. Um, probably Byron Murphy, and he's not really – I don't know if I'd say he's a newcomer, but um, he's one of the guys that I think is really going to be exciting to see this year defensively. Um, and, you know, that's – that. DeMarvion Overshawn is the guy that is going to – he's the guy that's going to run this defense. I mean, he's the he's the leader on that defense. But they're going to need a lot of players to, to step up. And I think I think hearing Keandre Coburn talk about it, hearing some of the things I've heard people say about Byron Murphy, I think it's going to be exciting to see him um, really step into that role this year. Got to ask about week two in Bama. And, oh, is that this year? Yeah, it's uh, it's happens to be <laughs> on the schedule this year. And it's interesting because from my research, the Longhorns only, is this right, one loss versus Bama in their history? Seven and one? Seven, one and one all time. Most of those in New Year's Day bowl games. Of course, the national championship in 09 is their one loss. They actually, the tie was a 3-3 Cotton Bowl, like in 1960. I'm really glad I wasn't at that one. Um but yeah, so the other seven one and one against Bama all time, uh, with the loss in the national championship game. I don't know, you know, Texas hosted LSU back in 28, 2019, uh, when the year LSU won the national title. And that atmosphere was was pretty awesome. But this is Alabama. This is arguably the greatest dynasty in the history of collegiate sports. This is Nick Saban, who could have been the head coach here at Texas uh, back in twenty thirteen. There are a lot of things that go into this game. This is 13 years from removed from the national title game that everybody said if Colt had played, Texas would have would have run Alabama out of the out of the gym. Um, there's a lot that goes into this. Now, what does that mean to the 18, 19, 20 year olds on this Texas team? Nothing. I mean, you know, they're they're just trying to go out and win a game. They they know what Alabama is, but that 09 national title game probably doesn't mean a whole lot to them. They were what five at the time, four at the time. Um, but but I think in general, this is more of a, uh, for Texas fans, for Alabama fans who have never been to Austin, um, getting to make this trip for the first time. People are a little upset it's an 11 a.m. game. I get it, though. It's it's Fox's decision. Their big noon kickoff is their big thing, and they want that 11 a.m. game for Texas-Alabama. That's where they're going to put it. So uh, September 10th, it'll be an early tailgate for a lot of people and then a long night afterward. But I think the Alabama fans that come to Austin, like every fan base that comes here, you end up loving this city. Um, it's it's a fantastic time while you're here. And again, I don't know that anybody really expects Texas to win the game. I think what what everybody wants to see is can Texas progress? Can Texas show what 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 it's capable of? Um, that's not to say they won't win by any means. You never know in college football. But um, what Alabama's been, what Alabama it, it, you know has been for the last 13 years since they beat Texas, um, I, I would 
assume most people are going to predict Alabama win. Yeah, it's only week two, and you've got a freshman quarterback, so you can't really say, well, this is a measuring stick, but it's Bama, and you're going into the SEC. There's so much stuff that you, you're thinking about as far as long, long-term with this program, too. Yeah, no doubt, and I don't – I you know, I – for whatever whatever words you want to use for um, you know I, I don't think measuring stick is bad I don't I don't think it's a bad thing to see where Texas stands after this Alabama game maybe you know even if even if you lose this game fifty four to nothing uh, which I don't think they will but even if you do you find out things about yourself then you find out the next week can your team fight back from an embarrassing loss if it's a close you know forty eight to forty four game or twenty to nineteen or whatever the score is you're going to find out a lot about your team and especially a team as young as Texas um, at, you know, young at quarterback, young on the offensive line. Um, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what, what we make of, of the end result of Texas, Alabama, because it's a long season. If Texas loses big or small or wins, none of it matters in the big 12. If they're going to get to the big 12 championship game, the Alabama game means basically nothing uh, in that race, other than trying to gain confidence or figure out what you, who you can be. So um, as excited as everyone is for it, in the end, I don't know that it's going to be as impactful on their season, uh, barring some kind of upset or, or, or a tight game, as maybe you know, some people think it might. As you and I sit here just a couple of weeks out, to win the Big 12, the Horns are plus 300, last I checked, and the over-under for wins is 8.5. How many wins does Bob Ballou think is realistic? Listen, uh, when the Big 12 uh, media predicted it's, you know, everybody picks their poll, picks their uh, first team. Uh, we all go to Big 12 media days and we all have our projections. And I want to say there were 81 votes um, total from the media for, for the Big 12. And Baylor and Oklahoma State were the favorites. Um, there were two people who picked Texas to win the league, and I was one of them. Um, I'm a big believer in what Quinn Ewers can do. I'm a big believer in, in having the elite talent on offense. And I, like I said, I think Gary Patterson makes a ton of difference. So I did pick Texas to win the Big 12 this year. I think nine and three is a, a, a real opportunity for this team to win the Big 12. I think you, if you just take the Alabama game as a loss, which most people will do, if Texas loses one or two games in the Big 12, they will probably play in Arlington for the Big 12 championship. That's not a guarantee, but it's the, the, the more likely scenario is if they have one loss or two losses, they'll play for the Big 12 championship. Um, and so I, I, I'm, I'm saying nine and three, I think that's realistic. Um, I'm not discounting a double digit win season. Um, and I, I just, I just believe, I think I believe in what Sark's building. I believe in the talent that he has already assembled. And I think this is a year we, I, I go back to this and a lot of people gave me a hard time for this because of who they played and what, what the situation was. But when Texas beat, they came off the Arkansas loss and they beat Rice at home, I think it was like 58 nothing, whatever the score was. But they beat Rice and Texas Tech and TCU and then played that first half against Oklahoma and scored 35 points. I think we saw what Sark can do offensively. Casey Thompson hurt his thumb. The Texas season went downhill and spiraled out of control. They lost, obviously, the second half they lost to Oklahoma. But that three-and-a-half game span, not as much for the teams they play, not as much for – you know, if they're playing terrible defenses or whatever it was. What I saw was this is what Sark's offense can be. And I think with the right amount of talent at the right positions, which I think Texas has, I think that gives them a, a tremendous opportunity 
to go win the Big 12 this year. And that's why I said I think defensively they're going to have to they're going to have to figure it out. They're going to have to they're going to have to be much better. But that's where I think Garrett Pete Kwiatkowski, by the way, was atrocious in his first year at Washington, and that Washington defense was great after that. So maybe it's just installation. Maybe it's the help of Gary Patterson. Maybe it's all of it combined. But that's why I'm going to say nine and three uh, with the possibility of a ten digit uh, a ten double digit season win total um, definitely on the board. So Bob says, take the over, send your calls and letters. If you uh, do that and it does not work out on Twitter, it's at Babalu Sports. Looking forward to this horn season opener against Louisiana Monroe. And just, you know, it's a couple of weeks away, but, you know, we're almost at Alabama. It's just like, it's, it's going to be right here. It's, it, and it's unreal. The days are short and the years are the, the days are long, but the years are short. And when college football gets here, it feels like it goes by like that. And, um, you know, they'll they'll kick off against Louisiana Monroe, and then all of a sudden it'll be the Big 12 championship game and bowl season, and we'll be longing for college football again. So that's why I always say every year, man, every single week, starting this week with even Nebraska Northwestern, and some of, the, some of these teams we're going to get to see play this week, enjoy every single second of it because we only get so much college football a year, and this is the, just is the best time of year. Absolutely. On Twitter, like I said, it's at Bobaloo Sports. Great to catch up with you, Bob. Thanks so much. You too, Robert. Take care. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.